Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show. Excited to have her back. I told you I would. I made the promise, and she is back. Sandra B. Tate is back with us, but she's back with her first book. The book is entitled Positive uh, right Attitude Wins, A Woman with Balls Creates Her Own Life and Gems. We've got a lot to talk about just in that title. How are you, my love? I am wonderful, Philippe. How are you? And thank you for getting me back on your show. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm extra fantastic. And uh, let's get into this right away. Talk to me about this book, Positively Wrong. Why did you decide and why did it take you so long to do it? Wow, that's a really good question. Two, two really good questions. Um, Everyone has a book in. They say everyone has a book in them. And I think you sometimes have to go through so much in your life that you come to that point where you feel that you have such a value to offer a reader that, it, you know, it's 80% about the reader when you write a book. You want it to be an extension of who you are, what mm-hmm. you've been about, who you are, your message. Everything comes to that full circle where you feel like, yeah, I have something of value to offer. So it took a while for me to really pull it together. Because you think about it, it's a, it's a huge undertaking. You read about it. You research about it. And it just gets, you have to be in that good mind space to say, okay, this is where I begin. This is where the process will lead me. This is what I look forward to. So the book took a long time because I think I had personal and professional challenges that I had to rise above to bring that kind of clarity I wanted for my readers, the quality I wanted for the readers. And I wanted to feel like something very special, like this is something very, very special for them. And I wanted it to be a special, uh, a legacy of sorts that if I'm no longer here, it would represent me to the fullest. And I, I think I did that with this book, Positively Wrong, Attitude Wins. That's awesome. Now, I, I assume, uh, uh, as, as it is with writing uh, most books, but especially your first book, it's a very cathartic process. Uh, what did you uh, learn about yourself uh, in the process of writing this book? Another, I, I love you for your questions, Philippe. They're very, very um, deep. Um, what I learned about myself through this whole process of, with this book was that um, you really see yourself more clearly when you become one with a project and it has a meaning to you and it has a, a huge significance to not only you but the people it will positively impact. And what I learned about myself from this process, this writing process, as a published author, is that I have the patience of Job. <laughs> I have the resilience of Job. And that I, you know, masters out there, I, I can honestly say I'm, I'm up, I feel like, yes, I've arrived. It really is a phenomenal 
uh, process. And I'm happy I did it. I am so happy I went through all the ups and downs to produce this book. And I couldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. It, it shows me who I really was and what I was made of and what I'm about. And it, it just really reminded me that, you know, I am, you know, I am truly in, in the zones um, environment for myself. I'm really that person that I respect and admire um, because I feel so good about what I've done, mm. and I, I feel I feel blessed by it. Thank you. Uh, the subtitle is "A Woman with Balls Creates Her Own Life Gem." Uh, <laughs> you wanna <laughs> you wanna elaborate on that just a little bit? Uh, <laughs> Some some people in the minority of San Francisco might look at that as uh, something different uh, than what it really is. Uh, so where did this come from, uh, a woman with balls? Where did this come from? A woman with balls. I, I'm so glad you, you zeroed in on that. Um, <laughs> a woman with balls, um, no one would really refer to themselves as a woman with balls unless you're thinking about it in the in the general in the general state from 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 where I came from, a woman with balls is someone who's unconventional, who's daring, um, someone who, it could be a man with balls and a woman with balls. They take on this very, they're outside of the, the status quo. They think differently, um, not to steal from um, Steve Jobs and think differently, the crazy ones. But we are the crazy ones, and we're the ones with the balls to push an agenda, you know, a message through despite all the rejections or, or it's not um, it's not the normal way of looking at a woman. I feel like my personality and who I am and my personality is ballsy. It has a ballsy ballsiness to it. It, it. it does not accept the status quo. And just to add to the balls, when I think of the balls, when I initially had this concept, I thought of when we were born as a self. We, we were an individual when we were born, a little round head coming out. <laughs> little round head coming out, and it's, it's there. As we age, the process changes, and we add on all these different um, um, roles and, 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 and responsibilities. And so we become from babies to a child, from a child to a teenager to, you know, boys and girls and a teenager and adult. And we get all these titles on us, and what you find out is as you put these titles on, every decade you become a mother, a wife, or aunt, a nephew, a niece, or all these titles come on, a professional, an entrepreneur, a you know, business person, an edger. So when you put all these titles on, after a while you, you lose that self component. The self is underneath there, but you can't find it because all these responsibilities and all these roles are now taking over, and now you no longer have that bounce, which is that ballsiness, that ballsiness is gone. You can't bounce the ball with labels on it. Mm-hmm. It's no longer there. It no longer has the, 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 the whole concept of the ball is no longer there. And I think it has direct correlation between that and how people see themselves and their roles in society today. They no longer have that place where they can call, this is me, this is an individual representation of me because they're so filled with all these other responsibilities. So I had to be ballsy in, in information technology as an information technology pro- professional. Uh, it was male, it was very dominated by males, and you had to be ballsy to push your idea through and to take a stand. And I feel that represents me perfectly. 
Well, let's go back a little bit. As a matter of fact, let's go back a lot of it to your childhood. Okay. Uh, you were at a very early age, um, left London, went to Jamaica, not necessarily on your own accord. Is that correct? Your father kidnapped you at some point? Yeah, the the, the, the it's in it's in the book. I I, I made that point um, when I was younger. My mother and my father had a really tumultuous relationship. Um, they never quite got it, and I don't think to this day they probably ne- never did. Um, I was I came out of a very chaotic environment, and the final straw for my mother was when she. My father took me without her permission from school, and she went. Went. She was. She was beside herself, and she decided that was the last straw. So she mm-hmm. grabbed me, and she basically took me, even though I was a ward of court, where I'm really not supposed to leave London. I'm not supposed to leave England at the time. She took. She went against the courts, and she took me to Montego Bay, Jamaica, to stay with her family. And there began the second. Um, um, way that I call the Cinderella journey, um, where I, I was away from both my parents and in a foreign land, and with people who were even more foreign to me, and that became the thing, the next part of my life, and I had to find the coping skills to make it work for me, and I and I think I did to my adult life. Well, in that situation, you said you really weren't, uh, you didn't feel any love at all, um, and um, it it. it you know, it either destroys you or makes you stronger. How did it make you stronger? And how old were you when this happened? I was seven years old. Um, when I went to London, I was seven. Um, um, when I went there, and you, I just, and that's a very good point, uh, Philippe. Adversity it does, it can, it can bring you up or it can take you down. The mindset was why the book was called Positively Well, Right Attitude Wins. Your right attitude, the favorable attitude towards life, gives you what I consider the 12 laws, natural laws. It gives you an opportunity to expound on who you are. And adversity is just a way to say, are you sure this is what you want in life or you, this is who you are in life? So for me, when, I, when all these things were happening with me as a child, I had only one way to look at it based on my personality, based on the environment, that this is not what I wanted for myself. I wanted love, and I, at the time, maybe I couldn't articulate what love was, but I knew what I, what I was um, experiencing with both my parents. That was not what I wanted for myself. So I had to create within myself an idea of how could I be my best friend? Because obviously mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone around me to, to do that for me. So I had to create this idea of love for myself within me. And I love what you it, say in the book. You say adversity forces an individual to see facets of weaknesses uh, and pushes you with persistence to create opportunities to fill that gap. That is extremely profound. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It, it, it's how I feel. It genuinely is how I feel then and how I feel today. It, it, it is important for, the, for the, the, the person who is going through anything in life to take ownership of not only the, the results of where they are. Um, I can sit here and I could blame. Um, I have, there's plenty of blame to go around. It, 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 serves me, it does not serve me to put blame anywhere. What I can do is take control of what I can take control of and leave what's, you know, take the best and leave the rest. And I think that idea 
of adversity is just another way of saying, are you sure? Are, you know, it reinsures, it, re- it, it, it reiterates who you are every step of the way. And adversity, to me, is my greatest muscle builder. Without adversity, I could be someone else. I don't think this personality that you're talking to today would exist if I didn't have temporary failures versus defeats or I saw things as adversity as my friend, which is a different way of looking at the world when you look at it from the perspective of control. I think for myself, I didn't see my mother and my father's relationship as the um, mold for which I should build my life. And mm-hmm. as, I said, as I said earlier in the, in the book, I, I give them the credit for bringing, breathing life into my own. But beyond that, their responsibility to me or to themselves were very limited in the way they saw the world. I see it differently. And, and you know, again, this is what crazy people do. <laughs> the crazy ones among us see things differently, and it is in compliance with the natural way things should be. So you don't get side, you know, you don't get side, you don't sidestep, you sidestep the, the, the baloney. And you step to the things that are important. But that takes clarity and it takes focus and it takes an incredible strength, inner strength, to not allow yourself to be dictated, not allow your environment, your conditioning, your, your, whatever it is that molds you, you do not allow it to have such control that, that you can't see beyond it. And that's what I think I did very well. Uh, well, you're an incredible force and uh, an incredible demonstration, a live demonstration of that. So uh, as uh, uh, LL Cool J used to back in the day, you're doing it, doing it, and doing it well. <laughs> doing it well. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Now, there's also a section in the book where you talk about uh, where you reach to a point where you, you were just in the flow. In fact, you, you, I think you quoted a doctor in there uh, and, and talking about what flow is. It's a state of optimal psychological experience uh, uh, where uh, we're functioning on autopilot, basically, and everything begins to click and, 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 and goes right. Uh, when, did, when did you align or, uh, with your flow? When did you first recognize your flow? Great question. One day I was sitting um, with, when, when I worked with David Patterson, David A. Patterson, the ex-governor of New York. One day we were sitting, we had just missed an emergency session in Albany. And we, we, I remember he was frustrated, and I said, come on, have a drink. Just stop. Took the center's car, and we stopped, and we had a drink. And we were sitting there, and I remember asking him, this, that very question you're asking me, I asked him, when did you get into your zone, um, David? When did you actually get into the zone when you, you felt like you were unstoppable, you felt sure, crystal clear about who you are, what you wanted in life. When did you get there? And he mentioned 35. He said to me, when I was 35 years old, I just realized that I was in control of my life. I was in this, what is ironic? Because I, before I wrote this book, I could honestly say that was the time when I felt I was zoned, when I was 35 years old. And it's funny because when you talk about wisdom and knowledge, one would think at 40. When you reach 40, that's a pinnacle year when people start really looking back and saying, you know what, I'm, I don't like where I am, or I do love where I am and I want more, or I don't like where I am and I want to change. But at 35, you really start getting these little red flags. 
and he got it, and I got it at 35. I just decided that I had enough experiences now where I, I, I wanted more for my life. I wanted a purpose that made me want to get up in the morning, shake off the crap off of me, and keep it moving. I wanted to feel like my life represented something, something powerful, something moving, something where others will benefit from it and say, wow, Sandra was here. And I wanted it to feel like when I wrote a book, even if it was my first book, like everything else I put in my life, if I put my mind to it, I can do it. And as we all know, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, the mind can achieve. And I knew right there that learning myself, staying crystal clear, it's not a natural state of being for me. But when I want something bad enough, I find no other reasons, no other reasons can stop me from gaining that perspective and moving forward. And that's a thought process that's clear, that's a thinker. That's a, you're not drifting anywhere. I, I am not a drifter. I am not drifting all over the place. I am very crystal clear. Once I've decided this is something that is of value to me, I will create that. And when, when I spoke with so many other people, you know, wise men take counsel. So I would speak to people who are older than me and younger than me. And you get that perspective where you see yourself in the middle. And you will always find that little gem, which is why a woman with balls creates her own gem. These, these nuggets that will help you along the way is, one, because you are open to the possibility. When you're open to the possibilities that really listen, and you're not just talking, you're listening to see those little gifts that the universe gives you back. And we have no choice but to either ignore it and continue the same old, same old, same old, or push forward with this new awakening. And I think that's what makes Zones such an incredible part of our of athletes uh, and athletic. They see the end in sight. They see themselves receiving the young women. They see themselves on the podium accepting that award. That's where we are when we're beyond, and that's what that's what creative visualization is about. You see how you feel, what you feel like, your heart beating, all the physiological changes your body's going through. You see that. Once you can see that crystal clear, you can meet that you know a short line. You can now make that short line with a contractor. You can now find that path. And I think that's what happened with me. I love that. Now, uh, um, I, I, as you can tell, I read this book, and I love it uh, cover to cover. Uh, <laughs> and I want to go back actually to the beginning of the book. In the introduction, you said, I have written this book to introduce you uh, to your happier self, the self that you have tucked away for a long time. Speak to me about that, yes. because there's an assumption that uh, many people are, are just kind of faking the funk and faking the happiness, and they've just tucked it away. But give us your definition and your philosophy behind that. When I when I wrote that, I writing the book has got to be one of the hardest things I've ever done beyond having a company. Writing <laughs> the book is it's hard because you you have to look from the perspective of the reader and say to yourself, I want the reader to feel like I'm them. So a lot of people throughout my whole career. And as it's been very extensive, and I'm very proud of everything, all the ups and downs in my corporate experiences, professional corporate experiences. People will come to me and, and share with me their frustrations, their pain, their, you know, issues that relate to their self-esteem, their confidence. 
they're not happy. Happiness is a state of mind, and a lot of people, 90 percentile, it's sad to say this, but a 90 percentile of the people that you'll meet are not happy. Don't know where that's probably sometimes and don't know what it is. So you have to take them back as a coach, in this case as a life and self-mastery coach. You've got to take them back to the place where they were most happy, where they can relate to being happy. And then that's when you can look at them as, as kids in a sand lot or on the on a little hill or sliding down on that slidey thing in, in the, you know, we, we were happy. There were no limitations on that happiness. What happened is we're socialized to believe that, okay, we got to go to school, get the education, and there's this whole world that's, like, basically printed out for us, this blueprint that has no semblance whatsoever to what we really want in life. Mm-hmm. So... That is what's tucked away from us as we gain this outer world and to to be validated by everyone around us, you know, our role models, our parents, our teachers, our church um, leaders are all telling us how what makes us successful. But yet no one has really asked us. That's why the educational system is so lopsided because our creativity is not being asked what makes it happy. So... We've been hidden because we want to please everyone and we want to be the, so I do want that $200,000 a year job, but yet I spend no 90 hours a week away from family, away from my passions, away from my friends, doing what I consider to be the right thing. But if we're doing the right thing, why are so many people so miserable? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, this is what, you hid yourself away. It's, you don't believe you're, you're good enough by being you. Is this why uh, further in the book you 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 uh, uh, talk about a, uh, a self first philosophy? Yes, yes. I I actually marry it with my concept of myself. The self first philosophy. Initially, when you tell somebody, you know, self first, they think of selfishness. You are selfish. <laughs> We're, about, we're, we're taught to be about family and, and you know, and being a nurturer as women and, and doing all these things for our husbands. And, you know, if you're in a gay relationship, then you're going to do it for your mate. But it's always out there. But we've never been taught about what it is to be satisfied within. The self-philosophy is about self-knowledge. If you're not aware of all the things that makes you, you so special, you are not able to share that with anyone. So I could not talk about love, loving my mates, loving my family members, whether they're blood or not, unless I was able to understand what love was for myself because I'm too self-withdrawn. If I can't know about my own loving potential, how am I going to help somebody else understand their own? How am I going to add that value to someone else? So self first stands for S acronym was self knowledge, self esteem, self discipline, all these cells, every self that you can put together there, mm-hmm. knowing those and strongly understanding that elevates life forward. That self. So self elevates life forward. Your self knowledge, your self awareness, your self you know, your self awareness, your self gratitude, all the self confidence, self esteem, all that is a plus for the solid foundation you'll create 
to add all these wonderful things that you want to your life. You can add them now because you have a solid foundation for which you can now move forward into the world. Mm-hmm. So self philosophy is important for me to, because then only then can I make the, the, the decisions that are right for me are going to ultimately be right for everybody else. But if I am all over the place and torn left or right or up or down, you serve no one. In the long run, that's the frustration collectively we're all feeling because while we're being validated out there, inwardly we have not validated ourselves. Mm, and that's like why self-philosophy is so important. Uh, is this also uh, why you suggest to uh, have people create a personal mission statement? Ah, oh, yes, absolutely. absolutely. A, a mission statement is equivalent to an, going to an interview for a job um, seeker or a job searcher. If you don't know what you're about as far as having assessment tests and know your strengths, your SWAT, your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, or threats, if you have no clear idea of all these things, you cannot really, you're not going to be a right fit for it. For any, you're going to be elected for everything and a, a wrong fit for yourself. So what I strongly say to someone is there's two areas to this. Defining your purpose in life defines your mission in life. They work hand in hand. So if you have no mission, then you're just lived. You're in oceans of drifting all over the place. You go to Cuba, then you go to Miami, but you have no purpose. That's why that's such frustration. So, so how are you living in accordance with your purpose? So, that, you know, after you create this mission statement, uh, how do you know you're living in accordance? How do you uh, track that? Because now all of a sudden the opportunities, the people, the events, the circumstances, everything begins to click in place. It's that how do you know you're happy? How do you know you're being successful? All these become naturally easy to attain. That's the reason why a lot of people you've interviewed on, uh, and a lot of people that you've interviewed, and I've listened to some of your beautiful interviews, I'm so excited by them because it teaches you that a lot of people who have gotten, they get themselves, they understand themselves so well that they can keep recreating. If they lose it, they can recreate it again quickly, quicker. Mm-hmm. Because now you have the blueprint that turns you on. That's what your purpose should do. It should turn you on. That's why they say if you do what you love, you never work another day in your life. Because when I do what I do, I'm not working. That's why I never retire. I'm living. I'm not, I'm striving. I'm growing. I'm being better. But only until that is a good fit. And you have to align your vibration of what it is that you're about with the vibration of what it is that you desire. So mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you can't be a, an ass and then wonder how come nobody good is in your world because you're an ass. Mm-hmm. And yourself is drawn. So when you have a, a mission set, you have a blueprint. And plans can change. Opportunities will come. But now you're gathering that level of optimism, positive thinking habits. You're eliminating those things that keep creating those obstacles because if you have a guy in your life who's not doing anything for you, you don't think you have uh, – it's not a partnership. It's a it's – a, it, 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 you're unhappy when he walks in the room. That is your sixth sense saying, hey, this is not for you. 
Mm-hmm. But until you until you figure out who you are, you're going to be hitting and missing a lot of relationships because you keep doing the same thing because we are creatures of habit. We have to do the same things over and over until it becomes a level of trauma where we just say, you know what, I don't want this anymore. And it has to be such a discomfort that we're willing to change the way we see how we do business. Mm-hmm. That's when we start. That's when we start changing things. And one of the things that I love about your uh, type of coaching is, uh, and you talk about this in the book, is the art of turning misfortune into jewels. The difference, you say, the difference lies in the response to failure. Uh, please elaborate on that because I, I just think that is absolutely fabulous. Yeah, it's 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 um it's one of the things that I've I've been learning even more about. It's like the listening, the art of listening versus the art of talking. Everyone wants to be a great speaker, and that's fantastic. But speaking is a communicate. It's speaking to communicate is different from speaking to impress versus express. And when you take misfortunes and you see misfortunes as a bad thing you are basically going against what misfortunes really are about. Misfortunes are its almost like a gauge. Misfortunes bring to you where you are not. So if you look at misfortunes as an indicator of where, how far you're shooting over, under, next to, far away from, then you start seeing that these are important telltale signs of what it is that you are doing correctly or not doing correctly. Misfortunes are not really bad things. They're an indicator of you getting better. That's all you should see misfortunes as. I was a victim of fraud, $150,000 taken out of me, 819 FICA score. I was on cloud nine. And someone from somewhere came and just snatched that away from me and I could have freaked out and, you know, do a Tony Braxton, let's go bankrupt, let's go to the bankruptcy. I decided to know there was something more important here. And as 10 years elapsed, I realized what it was. By taking everything from me, let's see what you have, Sandra. Let's see if what you say you want to do. Let's see if I take all the equipment from you, if I take all the resources from you, if I take all the support from you, if I take, and I keep taking from you, let me see how you're going to, how are you going to create what you say you're going to create? From that, I created this book. I didn't stop wondering, you know, oh, my gosh, woe me. I had no time for it. I was too busy rebuilding my house. Stronger, better. Let me three, let me, let me three little, let me three little piggies. <laughs> I mean, misfortune. Every time something happens and you see it as misfortune, what it's doing is taking your straw house from your wood house to your brick house. <laughs> so, like that. So that's our life. You should look at life. It's your brick house. You've said, done things that you probably need to modify, tweak, change, eliminate. But it's your responsibility, and it's your growth and your pace that's going to change it. So that's what I that's why that's why I want to do use the misfortunes to these gems because my misfortunes have been the best helpers, if not the best helpers. Because if I was successful and kept money in my pocket and I had all those things, I would be lazy. When you have little or nothing, right? Please, when you have little or nothing, 
we are so resourceful. Oh, my gosh. I squeeze, I squeeze, you know, that $50 turns to $2,500 in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I got $2,500 worth of value from that 50 bucks that I would have just written a check for. So that is what, that's what the three little piggies, straw, wood, brick house. I would do that three little piggies again. <laughs> Well, the, other, the other thing I like, too, is that, you know, what I love about this book is it's, it's very uh, synchronistic, and that is you talk about, uh, you cover a great deal uh, of, of facets in the book as it relates to personal and professional uh, development, and uh, you even go as far as talking about physical environment uh, and uh, feng shui, uh, the science of a good yes. uh I, I love right. that because it's something that, you know, I didn't even uh, recognize that I was doing but I needed certain right. things in my space in order to be able to really create. Uh, right. And uh, I, I think people take those things for granted and think, oh, I'm just being selfish or prima donna. And that's not really the case. That if you are uh, in a position where you have to create uh, and basically come up with, you know, make something out of nothing, uh, you need all of the elements supporting you. So talk, about our, talk a little bit about your space and, what do you do to, to uh, in your space to, to optimize who you are? Oh, gosh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an absolutely good question. Um, your space should be an extension of your your energy and, and who you are. Your space should reflect that. So I'm a very, my personality is very colorful and eclectic and, and extremely pastels and bright colors. And, uh, you know, if you go on my website, it, it, um, you'll see colors like gold and magenta, which is unheard of, and I think your color is similar to that too. It, what happens is when you understand the flow of chi, you understand your flow, your the energy, the what works, what don't work in your environment. By just tweaking, you know, bringing in, um, taking, putting the water in there or plants in your environment, it, it, it changes it from this very concrete jungle to home. And a lot of people, again, this is all coming back to getting to know yourself. You read more about your astrological uh, makeup. You read about your personality assessments. You read about your careers. and All of these are ebbing and flowing into your world, and so is energy. So if you want to bring in great positive energy into your, your space, you need to understand what negative energy is. You need to understand what brings in certain energies into your world and what you can do to change those. So feng shui is the... Ancient, very, very, very old, but very, you know, it's old, but it's classic. It's information that if we just put a little time into just learning more about our environment, you would not put the bed on the north side of the, you know, you put it to facing X or all these pieces are very important. As for my home, I like the nature. I like bringing in plants and you know, I, I, I enjoy carpets on and I enjoy the glass, you know. I enjoy openness. I like it to be very open, not too cluttered. Um, lots of natural light coming in. Um, water. I love those fountains that this water. I love listening to water. It's just amazing. And bringing in plants. You know, I, I, I know my energy. You can tell your energy because if you're not someone who's good with plants, you've got issues. <laughs> Some people bring in cactus, right? So you just do things that makes you feel good. And that's the other thing, too. 
all of this is about feeling good. And if you're not feeling good in your environment, then you might need to reprioritize your life so you can start feeling good. A lot of people don't feel good. They don't feel good about their relationships. They don't feel good about the relationship with themselves, which is probably the most important relationship you'll ever have. Mm-hmm. They're not happy with the relationship at work. They're not happy with the So this, this unhappiness begets unhappiness, begets unhappiness, begets unhappiness. And then after a while, it becomes a permanent state of being. Sure. Being unhappy is a permanent state of being until you decide you no longer benefit from that. And there's a lot of people who are just feeling that it's hopeless. And that hopelessness turns into frustration, turns into, and they don't understand how it affects other people in their families, in their lives. It affects other people in a negative way. And that begets negative, and that begets negative. So it's a collective negativeness that we are experiencing in the world we are today. With the, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough. And if you continue to perpetuate those thoughts, they perpetuate the same thoughts stronger. But we need to stop doing that. I don't have enough. I don't have any. That's baloney. Because the last time I checked, you got through the last problem. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You're going to get through this one. Right. So it's not true. Stop lying to yourself. You know, stop making these things up. Be realistic about what it is that you're responsible for, and do something about it. That action piece is the imperative, yet the most critical part of this whole book is about taking action. To thyself be true. Take action for what you're responsible for. How can people get uh, in contact with you to uh, uh, receive your coaching? Great question. Um, All roads lead to um, TateWorks at HTTP. semicolon, dash, dash, mistateworks.com, T-A-T-E-W-O-R-K-S.com. They can schedule some time with me. They want to talk for a little bit. They want to see if we have a good, you know, I have something that I can offer them to help them create the solutions that they're looking for. And, and to be honest with themselves, they can definitely reach me there, and they can schedule and do all the wonderful things there. That's a great repository for me to collect information, get an idea of what their needs are, and then to, to return it in a timely fashion. Fantastic, fantastic. So let's talk about this as we as we close. Uh, there was another great chapter that you had um, talking about building careers to your passion and not jobs to your demise. I thought that was one of the best titles in the whole book. That's just really powerful. Uh, talk to us about Thank you. And, 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 uh, because obviously most people think, oh, well, she's just talking about people, talking to people who are uh, entrepreneurs, and that's not necessarily the case. No, it, it, it really isn't. Um, when that when that cat chapter was created, um, when that chapter was created, it was it came immediately it came directly from other people complaining about their positions, uh, what they're doing, what they're not doing, and basically there was more complainers than some people who were saying, "What can I do?" There were a few people who were saying, "What can I do to change my life?" As if somebody from outside of them make the decisions where they actually The results are directly, directly our own thoughts and ideas and how we bring it. So when I came up with build careers to your passion and not jobs to your demise, careers are where it's at. Even with the present climate, um, economic climate, we're going to still go through this. You can be an entrepreneur while still looking for that career. You can be a 
person in a career, in, in a job that you want to create a career. But it all comes back to self-discovery. And one of the things that I wanted people to understand is that your per, a person's happiness and satisfaction is directly related to the way they view their work. So whether you're working for someone a nine-to-five, nine-to-eight, or you're going to do this as an entrepreneur, it's definitely something where you have to know what it is that you're looking for for yourself, breaking it down to its most minute detail, and then building it back up with the support, a research support, and just finding out from other people who are actually doing it the information that you need to know to start rebuilding your life so that you can start feeling good about getting up in the morning, being happier about your life. And it's funny because it's, people don't understand how it affects. It's like a, it's like a, a, a ripple effect where when you're happier, your children's happier, your husband or wife's happier, your mate's happier, your co-workers are happier, and it becomes this ripple effect. When you're miserable, you bring all that back, and it gets worse. So you need, we need to start looking at, it's not about the paycheck anymore. That's a, you know, I call that a job, just over broke. We're talking about people and vocation and the differences in your calling. This is going right back again to the full ownership of, sometimes you have to break it down and go back to ground zero. Sometimes the greatest, and Einstein, Albert Einstein said, said this, or I'm paraphrasing him, that most of the time our problem, people are just going to jump into solving their problem. But the greatest gift you can give yourself is actually defining the quality of the problem. Mm-hmm. What exactly is the problem? Therefore, the quality of the problem, once you understand the quality, all, the quality of defining the problem, then you only need five seconds to solve it. And we spend more time jumping in than taking the necessary steps that when we do jump in, we can do something about it. So I think this is where it comes back again for time for introspection. You need to look at the bigger, the greater good in what it is that you're going to go for. The sacrifices that are necessary, but relevant and necessary to create this thing that you're looking at. The creative visualization in the end is about what it is at the end of the day, what is it you want your life to represent? And for that passion, whether it's in your business or in your career, at the end of the day, you create it by being very crystal clear about what you want in life. And in your job, it's a huge part of it. It's like sleeping. That's a huge part of my day. So I want a great mattress. Well, if you're going to spend time looking for a position, let it 60 to 80% be something you're going to enjoy. But how are you going to know that if you haven't done the introspection necessary to meet and align yourself with a great opportunity and a great life in the long run? It's worth it. I love it. I love it. And I love you. Uh, You are and have always been uh, just a powerhouse in my life. Uh, I just absolutely love what you have done uh, with your coaching business. Uh, and uh, this book, I think, is going to uh, be the, be a Bible for many, many people, and I wish you the best success uh, with it. Uh, but I need you to do me one favor. Sure. I need you to make a promise that you'll come back on the show uh, and talk about anything and everything that you're up to. I promise. As a matter of fact, before we go, Philippe, I not only promise that I have a workbook to this book, 
website really customizes the women and men who read it, because I have men who are knocking me down for this. It really does help to really be honest about it and to take it to that next level. So I have a workbook coming out in October, just to let you know, to positively raw right attitude wins. And I'm looking forward to shaking up corporate America, shaking up businesses, shaking up professional women, and married and single everywhere to start living their best life right now. So thank you so much, and I will be back, baby. All right, my love. <laughs> All right. We will, Rock. We will talk to you soon, very soon. Uh, and again, thank the book you. is Positively Raw. Go to Amazon and get it right now. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, right, Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.